2: What up, Doug Gottlieb? show, Fox Sports Radio. Woo, we got a lot to get to, man. Dodgers one game away from winning the World Series. They would be 88 all over again. That's well, because the Lakers won the NBA championship, right. Um, Man, Tom Brady was good. Was good. Best record for the Buccaneers since, uh, through seven games since 2010. I don't think Denver's found their quarterback. Um, but I do think that the Chiefs remain just an elite football team, but I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and I think, I mean, look, too many turnovers, obviously, but, and you but you had the ball up, uh. 27 24, 235 to go. And Big Ben throws it. And I, I get it, right? You got a tight end over the middle, and he's your newest toy. And Chase Claypool, I think that's who they threw to. But I mean, you can't, you just can't throw a pick there. Um, But the, you know, the defense stood up, stood up and saved him. And we, we should have seen this coming because they have the components of what it takes to be a great football team. What, what are those components? And and look, I understand the Chiefs are a very, very good, maybe borderline great football team as well. But the components were last year, they got to 500. And I'm telling you, they had horrific, horrific quarterback play. Horrific. They had some dude named Duck Hodges as their quarterback. Notice that Duck Hodges is nowhere to be seen in terms of being a starting quarterback this year, not just in Pittsburgh, but elsewhere. So, I I think part of it is last year, their ability to get to 8-8. Eight and eight, And you can sit here and go like, well, you know, the Bengals were in that division. Okay. The Browns were actually decent in terms of talent. They were dysfunctional and a mess. And the Browns, by the way, beat them once last year. And the Ravens were the best team record-wise in the AFC. They had injuries at running back. They had an injury at quarterback. And they got to 8-8. Eight and eight. So you you add to the team they had last year. A Hall of Fame quarterback with a ton of experience. You had Chase Claypool. They already draft well. The defense is stellar. I've, I've thought the whole year the Chiefs are still the best team in football. And, you know, yesterday, Mahomes didn't play great. Right? Mahomes, I mean, 200 yards passing in the snow. And football fun to watch in the snow. And just amazing, um, but but what's what's interesting is the Chiefs scored in all three phases, offense, defense, special teams, showing that they're a great all around football team. And but the Pittsburgh Steelers won on the road in Tennessee, in spite of Ben Roethlisberger's three interceptions. Matter of fact, I saw this stat that the Steelers are 4-10-1 when he throws two or more interceptions or three interceptions. Most people, you lose the turnover battle, 3 nothing. you got no chance of winning a game. The, The number one determinant in the life of football, and heck, most any sport, you know, basketball or football are the same in this, the number one thing that determines whether or not you win or lose is how many times you turn the ball over. So for the Steelers to win in spite of, not because of, Ben Roethlisberger against a very good playoff-tested Titans team playing at home, granted, you know, not the true home field environment. Last year should have been the sign. If Ben Roethlisberger is decent, and they always draft really well at the skill positions, why shouldn't we believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers are the best team in football? And, and Tomlin is that that coach, he's the opposite of Mike McCarthy. I know he's caught a ton of heat going back to last year and the previous year at times in terms of some decision-making, but he's a guy that people want to play for. Guys will play hard for. Guys will compete for. Whatever he does doesn't allow him to have a below 500 season even when they work through three or four quarterbacks. I, I think the Chiefs are great. And I I think the Chiefs would be a tough matchup for the Steelers, but I think the Steelers beat more teams in the NFL than the Chiefs beat in the NFL. Does that make sense? Let me... me, So, like, head-to-head, because Kansas City, who can run the ball this year but doesn't necessarily need to, because Kansas City could, I think, just spread it out, go five wide, snap it to Mahomes, and he'll pick apart that defense. Kansas City could score on and maybe beat the Steelers, but in terms of the volume of teams in the AFC or in the NFL, I think the the Pittsburgh Steelers could beat more teams. I mean, think about how many teams run the football, and they are just a brick wall when you run into them. And they're pretty good in the back end as well. I think the Steelers are the best team in football. Byer, where are you on the uh, who's the best team in football debate? Like, if you had to
7: answer right now one team, who would it be? Yeah, I'd, I'd say Pittsburgh. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, the complete team. I don't want to toot my horn or cash in my chips, but I did pick them to win the Super Bowl. Did you? So yeah, good for you. Them like over that. Tampa, actually. So wow, you're looking really good right now. Well, week seven. No, but I just, I'm p-
2: actually looking at you. Your clothes are nice. Your hair looks good. You're looking really good.
7: Oh, and your pick's not bad either. <laughs> the uh, the no, you're right. For complete teams, I mean, you can look around the. The NFL, the other last unbeaten last night, Seattle got one pressure on Kyler Murray, so they're we, we know they're they not no there defensively. Yeah. yeah, so they're not they're not there. Tennessee, um, the team that Pittsburgh, you know, seemed to manhandle uh, in the first half, and then uh, were able to escape a victory. I mean, to win at Tennessee is enough. So yeah, I mean, maybe you could put Tampa in, but and your point about about the. Teams that could actually beat Pittsburgh compared to maybe someone getting in a, a points fest with Kansas City, I think is is well, put that, that,
2: as well. That that's how I look at it. Now, look, everybody has their own kind of metrics and thought in their mind. You go like, well, one team won the Super Bowl, and like, okay, I I get it. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you there. Um, and but I would also say that, that Kansas City, it, it feels like, it feels like th- there is a blueprint out there for how to slow down their offense. Now, you have to have the personnel to play that way. Just keep kind of everybody in front. And to make them dink and dunk, but it does feel like there's a little bit of a blueprint out there on how to stop them.
7: Looking at uh, you know, yes, yesterday against Denver, probably not the best way to do it, but no. yeah, like Pitt, I think that Pittsburgh can play anyway, and, and and it's not to take anything from the Chiefs' defense because they've got some guys there that that can play, but overall as a defense, Pittsburgh's is better.
2: Yes. Yes, I
7: I'm, I'm with you on that. What 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 do you think was wrong with Russell Wilson last night? I actually, I think that he tried to do too much. From what I just said a minute ago, yeah. when they can't put any pressure, this isn't one sack. This is one defensive pressure on Kyler Murray, and it's not that Murray was was moving the ball where he was out of the pocket because they couldn't even pressure yeah. to really move him out of the pocket I think he just he tried to do too much you were right on the last interception the the first one where Metcalf ran down Buda Baker that was on Russell but I do think that he was trying to do too much remember Chris Carson was knocked out of the game didn't play in the second half it's one of those games and you know, you don't want to say that they'll learn from a loss, but I do, yeah, do. think that it could could help Russ. I, I I don't think there, yeah. there's like we've been around sports a lot. Like this this
2: idea that everybody, I, I think Aaron Rodgers said that last week when they got their asses kicked, right? He's like, hey, you know, you got. You know, might not be the worst thing in the world. I gotta learn from it. And you look at how well they played and how well they started in that game. I absolutely think you can learn from the loss. And yeah. and, and Russell Wilson can still learn from things because his role has changed so dramatically that he doesn't necessarily need to skip steps and make all of those plays.
7: What was surprising was we had seen previously on third down plays, and I know a lot of people were focused on the World Series probably at this time. But I was Seattle had a third and two last night where you convert, you run out the clock and you win. I did see that. Yeah, and they ran the ball with Carlos Hyde and got stopped for no gain not necessarily his fault but put the ball in Russ's hands maybe let him try to make a play and you run out the clock and you end up winning by three but that didn't happen
2: I thought they did a very good job though even though they didn't pressure the pass, they did a very good job on some of the zone read stuff they played it the way that uh, they almost like sold out on it they played the way that people used to play Seattle if we remember back when Russell was first quarterback they'd run a lot of that read option stuff and the reason they stopped running it was was people just started hitting Russ? Yeah, he'd hand the ball off, and they would just blow. They would just annihilate him. And they're like, you know, he's actually pretty good. We don't want to do this anymore, and so they stopped hitting him. Uh, they they stopped doing that, and then they also stopped yeah. hitting him as he kind of gained some respect in the league.
7: Yeah, and to your point, actually, NBC made a point of what the Seahawks were doing, allowing their linebackers to actually try to make plays on Kyler Murray. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. That was <laughs> yes.
7: when they touched him.
2: Yeah, when, when they when they touched that guy's spectacular. Right, he's so much fun. Um. Did you how much of the World Series did you watch?
7: I you know, very little. Yeah. I was locked in on the Seahawks. No, I know so, I know it's your yeah. team. That's
2: why I asked you because I was watching both, but I was locked in more on the Dodgers. I did see that third and two play and I was a little dis- I was with you. I was disappointed in the play call. But um I was I was kind of hopeful that uh, Collinsworth kind of get in on Oh, Seattle close game. Russell Wilson with the ball again. It does seem like 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 groundhog day all, all over again. Um but yeah, like coming back to it I think Pittsburgh's awesome. It's not taken away from Kansas City. And I do think if they matched up, I would like Kansas City because if you remember back to when uh, Pittsburgh was was one of the best teams in the AFC and it was the New England Patriots, Tom Brady and the Patriots would have the, the that same kind of game plan. Like, we can't run it against them, so we're not going to. Let's just go five wide and find the mismatch and pick pick it apart all night on some of these underneath stuff. And they would dink and dunk, and they would they would beat Pittsburgh that way. I think that's the way the Kansas City would play to beat them. So I don't think they match up well, with Kansas City. But I, you look around the league, and how many teams are based upon their ability to run the football and play through play action? You are not doing to get that against the Pittsburgh Steelers.
7: And Pittsburgh's got so many weapons.
2: I mean, we, you know, you did, mentioned did, the- did anybody draft better than them? Like, I like I always like Chase, uh, Chase Claypool. Um, but they seem to do a better job than most teams at drafting the skill position.
7: Yeah, and and no, they they do a very good job. I think all around, and I know they lost Devin Bush uh, yeah. last week, but yeah. that hurts. But you know, even to the point, and I made this point on the show yesterday with George Reister when we do the Red Zone show here on Fox Sports Radio. I don't think it's a coincidence that Pittsburgh is undefeated without Antonio Brown and the uh, the issues there. And I know it's a healthy Ben yeah. is, is is a big help, but when you see what the offense can do, and maybe when you're not trying to force the football to Antonio Brown and and others, or at least having to deal with his antics, maybe now you're seeing really what Pittsburgh can be made of.
2: Are Are you looking at my topics list for when I get to oh, Cleveland potentially <laughs> being better when when Odell Beckham Jr. is out?
7: It's uh, it's coming up. You don't uh, want to miss it.
2: You don't want to. You don't want to. All right. Actually, coming up next, um, th- there was an upset win in the Big Ten, and I don't, I don't know if they have won the game. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a bigger point to me. Is a, what this whole thing is about. What, what coaching is about. What college football is about. I want to get to that upcoming next. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to tirerack.com/sports to see their Toyo tire test results, tire ratings and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's tirerack.com/sports tirerack.com. The way tire buying should be.
5: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
6: terms and conditions apply
2: Doug Gottlieb show Fox Sports Radio um Tom Allen is the head coach of uh of Indiana Th- this is a dude that um was a high school head coach shoot i'm going to go back uh 14 years ago yeah 14 years ago as a high school head coach at Ben Davis High School in Indianapolis. So um, he started his coaching career in Florida, moved to Indianapolis, was there for the better part of a decade, um, was their associate head coach, and then named their head coach at the previous head coach, was was fired. Uh, and it was mostly for, for treatment of players. And look, he's originally from Newcastle, Indiana. Do you guys know where Newcastle is famous for? Steve Alford is from Newcastle. Uh, I think Chrysler Arena is the name of the gym. It was at one point in time the biggest high school gym in the country, like nine thousand seats in the high school gym. Anyway, so look, they this is th- this is hard for people to understand sometimes because I-, I find that a lot of times just people can be jerks, you know. I, I do. I think they got in on the two point conversion. I don't. But it wasn't necessarily conclusive evidence to tell me beyond a reasonable doubt. So the play stood as called. They beat, they beat Penn State on a two-point conversion. And remember, they won the Tax Slayer Bowl, which, you know, to me and you, like I don't even know what bowl became the Tax Slayer Bowl, but this is Indiana football. I- Indiana in football is very similar to, I think you'd probably can compare it to Kansas in football. You know, to Kansas football. Now, it's become a much bigger football area, you ask anybody, because of Peyton Manning. When Peyton Manning got to the Colts and they became good, football became cool in the state of Indiana. Does it still produce a ton of players? Not nearly like it does for basketball. But, like, look, basketball has this problem to a lesser extent. It's a basketball state. Still, a lot of kids from Indianapolis like to go to Columbus, go to Ohio State. Ohio State seems bigger, cooler, whatever. They had an eight and five record last year, five and four in the Big Ten, and they just beat Penn State. But it was it was something that happened after the game that caught my attention. This is from the Hoosiers website. They posted this on social media. T- take a listen to the head coach of Indiana, Tom Allen, after uh, finally beating Penn State.
1: It's a special thing, guys. What? What? You guys, I told you, guys, are a special group. I've we said love it. You
2: Now, like look, I'm a little hokey about this and I, I get it. I I get that that we have kind of transformed our job as the media into being this college sports is a business, it's about money, these these poor kids and these coaches and they're after these huge contracts and whatever, like okay, you can tell me that. I don't believe it to be true for the most part. You know, like I, I what you won't hear is is, from me, like, you'll get people like, well, you know, everybody cheats in their taxes. No, they don't. Most people pay their taxes. They do. They pay their taxes. And I usually think the more money that you make, yes, you're supposed to pay more tax, more in taxes, but you have a better accountant and usually you end up paying a a reasonable, but sometimes less than reasonable amount. Legally, or, you know, in that kind of gray area thing, Um, but I, I don't, when I find somebody who cheats on their taxes, I don't say everybody cheats on their taxes. When you find somebody who cheats in college sports, I don't say everybody cheats in college sports. I just don't, I don't undo the everybody. It's when you find somebody who's, who it's about the money. That's not Most of these coaches aren't. And you might say, well, then why do they make so much money? Well, look, some coaches I do think become a little bit greedy. I do. I think that there's, there's a limit to how much you should make. Um, but the NCA cannot mandate schools, cannot mandate how much coaches make. It is a free market for them and they'll benefit from it. Now, if it was me and somebody said, Hey, you're making two, do you want to make four? I'd say, yeah, but what if I took that two and I spread it around to my assistant coaches so that they're even more loyal And I get everything else kind of dialed in. The reason that coaches, a lot of them get these gigantic contracts and gigantic buyouts is they want to protect themselves. If they have a bad year or a couple of bad years, they don't have to uproot their family. That's honestly the logical reason behind it. And he's, and Tom Allen's a perfect example of that. Perfect example of that. Here's a guy who's a high school coach, got a, Paid his dues, worked his way up in his home state. Gets an opportunity to be the head coach in Indiana, which is a basketball-centric school. An amazing school, but it's always been a basketball school, first, foremost, and everything else. I mean, dude, they went 8-5 and five last year. That That's like a dream year. Beating Penn State. Penn State? And James is an amazing coach, even better recruiter, right? It's a spectacular program. And so, yeah, he makes a lot of money. This is why. Because t- t- to be the head coach in Indiana, to win eight games, y- you gotta, you're going to have to r- shake some of the bushes and find players that people missed, develop some players, recruit some high-level guys that, you know, go head up with Penn State or go head up with Ohio State. And go, you go there, you might sit for a couple of years. You come here, you're going to play right away. They played a lot of guys right away. But more than anything, you got to get people to believe. And and when you watch that video, when you listen to what the kids say and you understand how hard they got play to play to play with the Penn States and the Ohio States of this world, that's what it's about. Do you make money as a coach? You do. It's your profession. You work 30 years. Most people that work 30 years in their profession want to at some point get rewarded for it and want to get the big job. Most people don't ever get that big job. But that ain't what it's about. Indiana and their coaching staff and the feelings uh, from their players towards their coaching staff, towards Tom Allen, a homestay guy. I, I, that's special to me, but that embodies what college sports is about, but even more in what coaching is about. We talked about that with Mike McCarthy. Those guys wouldn't lay down on train tracks from Mike McCarthy. They'd go, oh, train.
5: The Indiana players, they would. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeart Radio app.
2: Let's welcome in Joe Clatley, college football analyst. You heard him on the call of Ohio State's dominant win over Nebraska. I want to get to that one in a second. Um, did uh, Did Michael Penix get in for for Indiana? In your opinion?
0: <laughs> oh man, question question of the week, right there. Um, I don't know, man. I. <clears throat> Listen if if i if I had to lay like a 100 grand on it and there was a microchip in the ball that would tell us 100 percent whether it, it broke the plane or not, I would probably have to bet 100 grand that that it didn't, but I understand why they stood with the call in review. You can't overturn it, Doug, you no, know because it wasn't that, conclusive, That's not the point of replay
2: Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't conclusive uh it it shouldn't I didn't think he got in. I understood because it wasn't conclusive. I don't think it should take away from the Indiana story. Uh, is, are you, are we, are you okay with
0: that? Um, yeah, listen, I mean, every, every you know this, right? And, and basketball games, generally you can have a great game. You can have a great story. And if there's some sort of controversy, it's going to get over It's, it's going to overshadow the quality of the game. Wouldn't you agree?
2: Yes. Yes. But I mean, like dude, Indiana, it's not Kansas football, but it's, it, you know, it's been a little bit in that conversation. Right. And uh, you know, to, to get to get people to believe and to pay attention to think, you know, we're not going to beat Ohio State every year. We're not going to beat Penn State every year, but we can at least be competitive football in the Big Ten, in that side of the Big Ten. It's pretty special stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, and, and they've been building towards this, yes. you know, and they felt like they had a team that was going to be able to compete. And, and you see that they were certainly right, number one, uh, and number two, you you also see to the degree, the degree Penn state was hurt by a couple of their best players not being available. Journey Brown, of course, with his, with his medical uh, condition and Micah Parsons opting out, you know, I don't, I don't think that that Penn state loses the game if they've got those two guys and to be fair, and this is, I think this is also why you might not see the effusive praise being heaped on Indiana to be fair, Penn state, did more to lose the game, sure. in particular in regulation, than than maybe any Indiana did to win. It wasn't just that that two point conversion call that everyone's you know uh, up in arms about. You know, Penn State won the game, and then unfortunately for them, and and unfortunately for James Franklin, a poor coaching mistake uh, allowed Indiana to get back into the game and, and and then go on to win it.
2: You're talking about not going down at the one one foot line.
0: That's exactly right. But then, mean, now, didn't not the game is they, over. Your players, your players won them? the football game if all you do as a coach is tell them the right thing to do. You've got to know what's going on. A first down ends the game. The only way, only way. Doug, in fact, you could take a knee the rest of the, those downs, give it to them on fourth down, and they've still got to go 90 yards with, like, 30 seconds inside of 30 seconds left, right? Like, the only way that Indiana has a shot is if you score a touchdown. So, you know, James Franklin said like, "Well, we had to run a play." Fine, fine. You think you have to run a play? That's your prerogative. You better be coaching. You're paid to be the guy who tells the player, "Do not score. If they let you run, get the first down and take a knee."
2: And then India, let him score though, too. That that that's that, there's the old the old strategy of letting him score where that that works as well that we don't Again, that's that's where coaching does, in fact, matter, not just in James Franklin not taking a knee, but also in Tom Allen saying, hey, let him score. Let him score. We'll get the ball back. But
0: it's a great it's, a, listen, it's great from Tom Allen, and, and if Penn State, if, excuse me for saying this, but if they're dumb enough to score, <laughs> then good on you, yeah, you know, yeah, if you're yeah. Tom Allen, right? And, yeah. and, and Penn State scored, and, and the rest is history.
2: Um, do we buy Ryan Day's apology for scoring at the end of that game? Yeah,
0: that was interesting. I. <laughs> Oh, and I and I wasn't too subtle. I don't think on the on the broadcast. Not about like you know how oh, he's running it up, this or that. But man, it was a, it was a twenty eight point spread. <laughs> it was a twenty eight point margin. It
2: was also also hit the With, over just so you know.
0: Oh, uh, what's that?
2: It hit the over as well. It, it went, right. Yeah.
0: Right. So, um, I mean, you know, is it, is it, is it, is, is, it, an F, it, is it an Fu that,
2: because of recruiting? Like, you know, is no, like, no, no,
0: no, no, no. And, and here's the deal. These, these two actually forged a really positive relationship during this offseason in which both of them were trying hard, uh, and pushing hard to even play football in the first place. And, and in the run up to this game, each of them talked to me about how thankful they were for the other guy and the other guy's character and, and how they had been on phone calls almost daily throughout that process, trying to share information, talk about strategy, see what they could do. What are your kids saying? This is what my kids are saying. So I, this is why I do buy what Ryan Day said. I, I, I really think he thought, well, you know, we're just going to run the football. And then in hindsight, he thought to himself, you know, Scott had a tough day. They had some, some ejections. We probably should have just taken a knee. So I do buy the apology because I really do believe and, and know these two guys personally that they they did forge a, a very positive relationship during all of this COVID issue.
2: Um, I, I watched most of the game. I thought I thought it got away from Nebraska at the end of the first half. That it was a little closer to the final score. But I also know that, that Justin Fields did not have a ball that hit the turf. Right, like the one incompletion was out of the back of the end zone, wasn't it? So, like,
0: well, it, it was a complete ball. Yes. but Then Olave, you know, gets undercut, and when he hits the ground, the ball comes tumbles out of his hands. So, yeah, you could you could claim that every pass hit the hands.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, in 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 evaluating him, what what are your impressions of Fields as of today, as opposed to when you saw him last year?
0: He's elite. He he took another step forward. They've got better wide receivers as as a core, even though they're missing a real veteran presence, but I think they have that in Olave, and we'll see what his uh, condition is. Obviously, he got kind of uh, rung up there at one point, but they've got incredible young receivers. I'm telling you what, man. That Jackson Smith and Jigbo who plays in the slot behind Garrett Wilson, Julian Fleming on the outside, these guys are really good, Doug. You know when you see freshmen, you see it all the time, and they walk onto the floor and you're like, oh, boy, yeah. that's. I mean, they're the real deal. It's not just the recruiting rankings that's what those guys have. And, and I thought fields took the next step. He was throwing the ball. I thought more decisively, the ball came out of his hands quicker. Uh, I thought he was more accurate than he was a year ago. You could tell he's been working, he's been developing. And then here's another little tidbit. And I love seeing this in the pregame. And this is something that you don't get if, if you're not there, yeah. he's, he's warming up the entire pregame with an NFL ball. So there's a clear purpose to like, He's trying to develop, not change his style of game because but, he was still willing to put his body in harm's way at times, but he, he, there is a purpose to what he's doing right now. There was a purpose to what he was doing when he was pushing for football to be back. And, and he certainly didn't disappoint. I was so impressed.
2: Uh, what was I mean, it was a crazy game. Like the first half of Minnesota, Michigan had just about everything you can have in a football game. Uh, I mean, it was nuts. Uh, Joe Milton is, you know, the the new guy to so the first guy that Harbaugh has recruited at a high school that's been a starting quarterback at Michigan. Um, what are your impressions of how far away he is from being good enough for them to take the next step?
0: I think Joe Milton is Harbaugh's best quarterback since Andrew Luck. Um I think his talent, he's just scratching the surface. Agreed, I think yeah. he's going to be a household name in college football by the time this is all said and done. He's got as, in, as elite arm talent as I've seen in the sport in the last few years, and that includes guys like Herbert and, and, and Allen, who are now in the NFL doing big things. Um, he's, he's athletic as well. He reminds me. A little bit of a, of a Cam Newton, but he's more a refined passer. Maybe not quite as athletic as Cam was running the football, but he, he got the most carries of any back uh, for, for Michigan, eight carries. They were purposeful in how they ran him. He's huge. He's got a quick release. It's pretty accurate, in particular when he's driving the football. Um, I, I'm telling you, man, I'm, I'm impressed. And after watching the game film even more so than the live film, of Michigan, because I'm getting ready for that game. I'm doing Michigan State, Michigan. And Doug, like, Michigan's really good on offense. They averaged over eight yards of play. They got their power running game back, which is a shift from last year. It plays into the hands of Milton because then he can play action and RPO and do all of those things that I think uh, really create stress on the defense when they're trying to defend an offense with a quarterback that has a big arm. When you've got a quarterback that has a big arm, it's not about just dropping back and trying to use that weapon. A lot of times it's trying to put in particular support uh, players in conflict like safeties or linebackers with the play action, the run action, the the RPO style of concepts, you put them in conflict, and then you come up and he can use that arm talent. I, I think I think Michigan has a chance to be really good and and they were at least in my estimation I think underrated coming into this season.
2: Uh, I want to ask you kind of quickly. you know Iowa lost to Penn uh, to, to Purdue and now they got uh, Northwestern and Northwestern just dominated Maryland. Uh to his little brother through three picks he got pulled he was be was bad. Uh but is is it was it Northwestern was that good or was Maryland that bad?
0: I think there's got to be a little bit of both because Northwestern had a bunch of opt-outs of, of important guys. So I wasn't expecting much to be honest with you uh, from Northwestern and to come out like that and play that poorly for Maryland. This is, you know, something is awry there at Maryland. Nobody can get that thing going or turned around even with uh, Loxley retaining some of the talent in the local area. It just has not manifested itself in the quality play on the field. Uh, and then I think that you you also have to sit back and just, remember that one of the better coaches in America, Doug, is Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald, I mean, what he does year in and year out is always very special. They had a terrible year last year. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. He brings in Mike Pajakian, the new offensive coordinator, uh, and he's got a new quarterback. It was a transfer from Indiana. So Peyton Ramsey is in there because he lost that job to Michael Penix, who, of course, still for the end zone, how we started the interview. And, and Northwestern is going to be tough, and that's – that's every year. They're like the old Bill Snyder-Kansas State teams. It's like, man, there's not a ton of talent, but man, they're just tough to beat.
2: Uh, let me circle back. Uh, we started last week talking about Nebraska. I mean, historically great program, and the the, the rebuild for Scott Frost, I think, has been a little bit more frustrating than he thought it would be. Watching them on the field against Ohio State, how far away are they?
0: They they are at least a year away, but I will tell you that I, I saw a, a good step forward from them. See, Ohio State and, and Doug, this is just a wrong game to evaluate. Them no, on, I, I, right? yeah, I think- yes,
2: but you got it. Like, in, I don't know what they say in football. In basketball, we used to say, like, that's what Jesus looks like, right? Like, you go and you, <laughs> you play like a real team, or you go and you're like AAU and you play one of the real teams with, with a, all like, all McDonald's, all Mary's, like, yo, that's what Jesus looks like. That, you're like, oh, okay. And that's how you, so, you go and you find Jesus right that's Ohio State. They're a different level than everybody else in the big ten that's that I actually think it's a good maybe too early in the season to evaluate, but when you see him in person, it's a different feel how How far away do you think those two are?
0: um I love that analogy, and I'm probably going to steal it at some point. Uh, yes, in the Big Ten, Ohio State is what Jesus looks like and and unfortunately for Nebraska. While that's the ultimate goal, what they need to you know attain first is like John the Baptist, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, so, yeah, just beat so the other side week, of the bracket. Yes, that's uh, you know, the other side of the bracket. You know, we're not we're we're talking about Peter or John the Baptist or somebody, right? Like uh, they, and, and that's what they have this week when they face Wisconsin. And now there's all sorts of controversy now with about Graham Mertz had the positive antigen test, and they're not saying what his PCR results are. Remember, if that PCR is positive, Graham Mertz. Who burst on the scene was twenty of twenty one awesome. last Friday night against Illinois. He's gonna be out twenty one days yeah, and then Wisconsin's down to their third string guy. So um, it'll, it'll be interesting, but this is, I think a better evaluating, uh, stick measuring stick for Nebraska than, than Ohio state. They're not, they're not quite to the cross yet. Let's just stick with John <laughs> the Baptist, right? The yeah. locust and
2: honey. <laughs> I, I just implanted something in your head. I can't wait to hear it come out on TV. Uh, Clark, great, right. st- great, great stuff, dude. Safe, safe, safe travels. I'm not, not sure that's going to be a great game. Michigan State is uh, Rutgers kicked the hell out of them. But any, uh, uh anyway, thanks, thanks for joining us on Fox Sports Radio.
0: You got a both. Have a good
2: one. I love talking. I love watching the Big Ten and the Big Twelve. My pokes uh, a week away from getting Texas. I'm sure he'll be at that game. As they they got a great, they got a very good defense. All right, coming up next, one NFL team has transformed from la- last year to this year. We'll
5: discuss. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio Radio app.
6: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
2: They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to tirewright.comslash sports to see their Toyo tire test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's tirewright.comslash sports, tirewright.com, the way tire buying should be. Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. When a train hits a vehicle at a railway crossing, the results are often deadly. Be cautious at crossings, and if the signals are going, don't be tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Even if you don't see a train stop, trains can't. Paid for by Nitsa. Let's get to what the Fox said. And now...
6: (laughs) (laughs) What does the Fox
2: say? Here's what we do. We got this crack staff made up of at least three people who, uh, they listen to all the shows, watch all the shows, and like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Usually from Fox Sports Radio or Fox Sports 1... Uh, this, I believe, I believe is Colin Cowherd earlier today. This league is all about quarterbacks. Seven games in,
4: Tom Brady has transformed the Buccaneers franchise. Bill Belichick, have you watched New England? Belichick, the smartest football coach ever, has won 43% of the games in his career when he didn't have Tom Brady starting. Tom Brady in seven weeks has changed the franchise. Now you got guys like Gronk is retired. Suddenly Gronk's like, you know, maybe I can play another couple years. Antonio Brown had his choice. "Eh, I'll go play with Tom. That's the power of Tom, the power of LeBron. It's what legends do. I like strategy. I like data. I can be a football nerd. It's about the dude. It's about Brady. Think about this. It was two weeks ago. New England goes on the road and is awful against Chicago. 11 penalties. Brady is yelling at everybody, and what do you hear in Tampa? Tom's mean. Back-to-back games. No turnovers. No sacks allowed. Four penalties in two games. That's called accountability. It's not about strategy with LeBron. It's not about strategy with Tom Brady. It's about coming into the room and changing the temperature of it.
2: Um. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, like, did anybody dispute that he's a great player? The question was, how much did he have left? I know that Dan Orlovsky, who's a friend, a former player, of course, and a star analyst, said he's still the best when 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 his offensive line protects him, he's the best quarterback in football. I I disagree with that because that like your offensive line is not gonna protect you every time. He he's amazing. And my question was How would he fit in with that culture? And I I do think that, and look, the two times they lost first was first game of the season, but then the Bears game, they bounced back and they were great against the Packers. Great. He was just okay, though. The defense really bought. This is a good team that last year they weren't quite there. Their line wasn't as good as it is this year. And, oh yeah, by the way, their quarterback turned it over 30 times. So if you just don't turn it over and you have a ton of talent and get it to playmakers— you're going to be better. Uh, b- the 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 question continues to be though: Will he get better as the season goes on? Can they continue to protect him? And how do they handle adversity? So far, so good. A ah! uh, J. Brzezinski is going to join us upcoming next. Of course, uh, A J. won a World Series with the Chicago White Sox. We'll get his thoughts on the Dodgers and can they win one more game? Find out next Doug Gottlieb Show.
5: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
3: I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. WORK.
1: Zumo Play.